It's Easter Sunday, a holiday of mass confusion for many Unitarian Universalists. (laughs) Many of us like the eggs and the chicks, symbols of the pagan religion of ancient Europe, their celebrations of the springtime. We like them so much, in fact, that we are tempted to make this holiday all about spring. But spring, as wonderful as it is, began last month, and today is Easter Sunday, when hundreds of millions of Christian people celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Now, to believe this story is literally true requires a leap that many Unitarian Universalists and a good number of liberal Christians are unwilling or unable to make, which is why we like celebrating spring so much. It's the real deal every year, as anyone with pollen allergies will tell you. And so we're left with confusion. And to this confusion, I say that we can and should celebrate Jesus on this day, the great prophet, teacher, and leader. We can and should celebrate him without making him a god. We can understand the biblical stories of Jesus, whether or not they actually happened. We can understand that they are the cornerstone of a great religion, a religion from which our creedless faith emerged, a religion that informs our culture, even if we don't share any one of its theologies, be it ultra-liberal, fundamentalist, or one of the many in between. And so on this day, I've chosen an often told part of the Christian scriptures to reflect on. The story of the Good Samaritan, a story told by Jesus to those who surrounded him in order to teach them an important lesson. Because, to paraphrase a movie character from long ago, I do not think this story means what you think it means, or at least what most people think it means. Usually, when I hear the story of the Good Samaritan referenced, it's to encourage people to act more like the Samaritan in the story, the person who stopped to help a stranger, who bandaged up his wounds and saw to it that he was cared for. Now, that's a good lesson. And it's certainly one of the things that Jesus instructs his followers to do at the end of that story. But I don't believe that it quite captures how that parable was meant. Looking at the story, we see that it was told in response to someone questioning Jesus. A lawyer, in fact, who wanted to test his radical spiritual teacher to see just exactly what it was that Jesus meant in order to determine whether or not that lawyer could follow him. Now, of course, Jesus' answer to the lawyer's test was in keeping with the ancient Jewish law of the day. So the lawyer needed to push a little bit further to see how Jesus interpreted that law. Having been instructed to love his neighbor as himself, the lawyer responds, But who is my neighbor? Who is it that I have to love as myself? Who is it that I need to treat with kindness and dignity? Who? The lawyer asks, not what. He's not asking, how do I treat my neighbor? For that was pretty clear. Who it applied to, however, is what he was after. In order to fully understand this parable, we need to look at the society in which it was told. The people of ancient Judea, the Jewish people, and the people of ancient Samaria, the Samaritans, did not get along with one another. Though they claimed a common heritage, through the lineage of Joseph, 
They had competing theologies and competing claims for land. The people of that day had been carefully instructed. They had been instructed both to love their neighbor and, in equal measure, also to hate their enemy. And in a society that often defined neighbor to mean someone belonging to the same ethnic group as you, the challenge to see the Samaritan as one's neighbor would have been very hard for that lawyer to take up. To the man asking Jesus, who is my neighbor? A Samaritan would have been someone to avoid at all costs, an enemy, an undesirable, someone whose ritual practices made them unclean and untouchable. In fact, many of the leading religious authorities of the day specifically defined Samaritans as the lowest of the low, the worst, the most unclean, the most repulsive people in the region. And Jesus' questioner would certainly have understood that choosing a Samaritan as the hero of this story was shocking, to say the least. Jesus instructed a man who had an expert knowledge in the religious laws of his day that in order for him to receive God's blessing on his life, he would have to show love, compassion, mercy, and respect to those outside of his own circle, for those whom he considered repulsive, for those whom he considered to be his enemies. Jesus' teaching was scary to many people, but it was especially threatening to those who were in power, those who relied on those deeply ingrained hatred and ethnic and religious warfare to keep their power. Now, as that story has been passed down through the ages, Jesus' parable is equally challenging to us today. Now, our society might not be structured like that of first century Judea, but there are still people in our midst whom we would rather not have to think of as our neighbor. Who is it that you need to be reminded to show compassion, mercy, love, and respect to? Who is it that pushes your buttons, makes you physically repulsed, gets you mad just at the very thought of them, or evokes in you a strong, immediate, and automatic response? What group of people do you find yourself dismissing or condemning without a single second thought. Perhaps it's a group that doesn't share your political ideology. Maybe it's some people whose theology is radically different from yours, perhaps so different that they themselves would be intolerant of you if given the chance, which you never would give them. Perhaps it's an ethnic group or a particular class of people in our society. Whoever it is, on this Easter Sunday, I hope that we can feel the challenge from Jesus echoing through the years. We need to get over ourselves. We need to get over our pettiness, our shallowness, our insecurity, our prejudice, in order to fully see the humanity in each and every one of our sisters and brothers. And this past week, I learned that perhaps the people we need to remember are our neighbors are simply those whom we have forgotten, people who have become invisible to us as we go about our daily lives, people who have become inconvenient to those with power in our society. Now, usually I don't admit to you when my sermons get written, but today I'll make an exception. I purposefully left this sermon incomplete when I departed last Saturday for a week of volunteering in New Orleans with our amazing youth group. 
I did this because somehow I knew that my experience there would be important to how I made Jesus' parable come alive for us some 2,000 years after it was first told. And I must say this was true. For in New Orleans, I met and heard tell of people who have fallen off our nation's list of neighbors, both literally and metaphorically. People who, because of our society's inability to adequately respond to a disaster, have been displaced from their homes, who are fighting tooth and nail to hold on to what little they still have, and who are, in spite of all of this, giving everything they possibly can to others. Last night, as I was delivered back to our fellowship's parking lot from Newark Airport, my cell phone rang. I recognized the number, and I answered it. On that holy Saturday, amidst the preparations for Easter, the highest and holiest holiday in the Christian calendar, it was Pastor Ella O'Neill calling me. You'll hear more about Pastor O'Neill in the days, weeks, and months to come. As those traveled to New Orleans tell the stories we collected, Briefly, however, let me share with you who she is. Pastor O'Neill and her husband, the Archbishop Henry O'Neill, are the ministers of the Lift Up My Name, Higher Holy Ghost Church, just outside of New Orleans. They lived in the upper ninth ward of the city before Katrina hit. We met them when we were asked to help them rebuild. You see, they've turned their house on Pauline Street into a food pantry one that has served some 50,000 people in the last three years. They've moved everything they have into their church offices where they are living now, not comfortable housing for a couple in their 80s, so that their house can be used to store large piles of canned foods for distribution three times a week. The city of New Orleans has threatened them with revoking their permit for the pantry, however, because their house lacks, well, Pretty much everything. And last week, our team put up walls in five of the six rooms in their house and secured a commitment from the Unitarian Universalist Volunteer Center to send teams back there over the next month until the work is done and they can renew their permit. And in the midst of all of that, Pastor Ella O'Neill called me to make sure our group had arrived home safely. In the midst of all she has going on in her life, all of the people who are depending on her for their very lives, and in her church's holiest and busiest season, she stopped to think of us, the people in this fellowship that she had met, and this group of people who she had never met who sent us there. And she told us, she told me in that phone call that she would be praying for this fellowship in their Easter Sunday service this morning. And so the least that I can do in return, the absolute very least, is to have us think of her this Easter Sunday, for she is our neighbor. And we must recognize that with every breath we have. All of the people of New Orleans are our neighbors, though we may have forgotten them in the years that have passed since their plight was last on the news. Today, she and her church are praying for us that we are safe and whole and that we know that we are loved by people a thousand plus miles away. Let us return their prayers tenfold. Amen.